podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everyone and thanks for tuning in to GigPod episode 136. It's been fairly dour the past couple of weeks if you've listened to us and we're not going to apologise for that. We're happy to say that we can finally rave about Celtic again. It's been a while. Myself and Rizzo will be talking about the 6-1 win over Hibs at the weekend and not any political nonsense as we're not a pair of losers. Are we John? Hi everyone. No, absolutely not. We don't talk about politics. We're not losers. But no, it's good that for once we'll be having a cheery podcast talking about a great Celtic performance rather than the doom and misery podcast in the last few episodes because I know that the fans weren't happy about that. But Celtic finally showed what we're all about in that game against Hibs. Indeed, John. And before the game on Instagram, I nearly got the team right. Now, I did say the team should have saw the inclusion of Anthony Ralston again. Um, I think I had Greg Taylor in there instead of Burnaby. But I also said at the time, I think Abelgard should have come in. I didn't see Moy starting, but I got the front three completely right. I said James Forrest was going to be starting. Haksabanovic um, was undroppable, really. And Gigi deserved to start after Kyogo's performance in midweek. Now, John, that lineup initially when it came out and we were texting each other, as we always do, I don't really think we uh, were raising any eyebrows as such, but did any inclusion surprise you at all? I think it was more of a note inclusion of a Abelgard, who I know he's no fit, but it is a bit odd that he's no starter a game yet. And I was shocked if he doesn't start on Wednesday up at Motherwell. Maybe he won't, who knows? But that was the only one that really surprised me that Moy was in front of him. And as it turned out, that was a good decision. And Moy didn't even really play in a defensive midfield role either. So that was the only surprise for me. But it all worked out in the end anyway. But Celtic were so clinical in that first half and our front three were excellent, John. All started with Sead Haksabanovic, his assist for James Forrest to make it 1-0. Gigi making it 2 and Forrest putting his in at half-time, 3-0 up. Now, talking about the first two goals and what I found impressive about that was Maurice Jens, John. Both goals came for him. When he got the ball, he fed it out quickly. Um, to the left-hand side and it was just direct passes but they were so accurate and he started the moves and he took like two Hibs players out of the game and that was for the first two goals to put his 2-0 up the second one was so impressive as well Hart to Jens I think he plays it out wide and Burnaby blasts it down the middle brilliant ball across and GD slams it into the net it was a great return wasn't it John to see that purposeful attacking football for Celtic when we hadn't really seen it in the past few weeks. Of course, we always knew that they were going to be wee spells this season where we were going to be aiming to win without actually playing well. But to pick up the three points like that, to get the win like that, but also deserve it by playing excellent football was a joy to see in seeing that first half. Celtic really could have went in what four or five up, to be honest with you. It's all well and good winning without playing well, but you want that to be the blip. You don't want that to be the weekly occurrence where we win games without playing well. And thankfully, we played well and won comfortably against Hibs. 
And as you say, Morris Shane's did do very well for their goals. But, I mean, what really made them was the cross balls. A lot of times our crosses out in the box aren't good enough, but we're much better at the weekend. It was a great pass by Haksabanovic for Forrest's first goal, a great cross. And the second goal, that's Burnley by, or Burnley boy, as he's been christened by me. So will that catch on? Who knows? That's two games in a row that he's put in brilliant crosses for Gigi, and Gigi's finished them brilliantly. But in a way, this is pro- this is a goal that you'll no doubt remember, as I do. That uh, goal that Gigi scored reminded me of Gary Hooper's goal, his second goal, and a memorable 3-0 win over Rangers in th- February 2011, when we played Rangers seven times that crazy season. And for that goal, it was a brilliant pass from Samaras to Emilio, and he crossed it in for Hooper to score. And okay, I don't know if it was as good a goal as that, but it was really similar to how good the cross was. And I have been impressed in the games he started the last two uh, with Bernabeu. And I don't know, maybe, maybe Ange is doing the right thing, but no, given the players that he's signing, throwing them in at the very start. I know he did that last season, but he's not really done that this season. I mean, that's only the second game that Aaron Moy started in the league for us. It's only the second that Burnley started in the league for us in. It seems to have paid off now for Moy. I mean, his game against Simon was a stinker. But, I mean, Burnley looks comfortable in his early days, but he does look eventually like he could replace Greg Taylor on the side, and that would be harsh on Greg Taylor because he's been one of our best players this season, and for the last, maybe, 18 months, well, since the start of last season anyway, he's been excellent for us. But it wouldn't have shocked me if uh, Burnley boy ended up being the first choice left back at the start of the season. Do you agree with that? Well, I don't know, John, because it's all very well and good, you know, performing against St. Johnston and Hibs. I'm not taking that away from him. But you look at Greg Taylor and how consistent he's been, not just in the league, John, but also in other competitions, including the Champions League. So I think I'll judge Burnley boy, as you want him to be called when he's in the Champions League and performs there as well, or just at higher level games, if he's thrown in, you know, against Rangers, I would say Hearts is a higher level game for him as well. They're one of the top six teams and it's going to be a tough away game that, and if he stands up to be counted there, fair enough, but it's been really encouraging and I think his fitness, John, is incredible. Like, he's up and down, I mean, look at, we'll, we'll talk about the ref later, don't worry fans, we'll get to that, but towards the end of the game, John, like, you know, a few minutes into injury time, and he's bombing down the left, aiming to set up what should have been a seventh goal, and his fitness levels are remarkable, um, he's got really good close control, and I've been, yeah, as I say, I'm really, really encouraged with the way that he's came on, and he's developed his game more, and it's all credit to the manager and the coaching team, because when you look at him against Ross County in that 3-1 win that we had before we scudded Rangers for now, you know, we were both saying there's something there, but his decision-making was erratic. He was getting into good positions and he was getting past players like fairly easily. But when it came to delivering that ball in, they were just like skied into the, into the stands or out for a throw-in. Whereas now, he's definitely making the right decisions and, you know, Gigi must be loving it at the moment. So yeah, definitely encouraging, but I'd probably hold off on it now in terms of the plaudits, in terms of like replacing Greg Taylor. still think Greg Taylor should be have a first choice left back, think he's earned that, and you look at his performances, as I say, last season, he's carried that one into this season too, and he really does that inverted role so, so well. So, what I would say from it, John, is it's great to have competition to Taylor. I've always wanted to see a Celtic team, John, with strong performers everywhere, so I want us to get to a level where 
if our best players are out, we've got players that can come in and we're not stressing out about guys like McGregor being out, guys like CCV being out, and guys like Kyogo being out. So, as the great Martin Luther King once said, I have a dream and Angie's getting there, shall we say, John? <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. But I just one last thing, talking about Bernie Boy's fitness. I mean, if you look at the game against St. Johnson, he set up that one and goal, and I think it was the 94th minute. And then, again, an injury time at the weekend, they should have been setting up a seventh goal if it hadn't been for the wonderful referee. So, I mean, it's really coming on fitness-wise, and all, all augurs well for how he'll do for us, I think, for the rest of the season. But I think you're right. I mean, it maybe as we were premature, we have him in ahead of Taylor, but it wouldn't shock me if that happened eventually. We'll, we'll just need to wait and see. Right, John, before we talk about the star performers in the second half and talk about James Forrest and his amazing achievement of getting 100 Celtic goals, we do have to address yet another goalkeeping howler. Wasn't our goalie, thankfully, but it was an ex-goalie, David Marshall. A shocker from him for the goal that made it 3-0 with James Forrest. We've seen some real disaster classes this season already from opposition goalies. John McLaughlin, take note, we're talking about you. That was a shocker from David Marshall as well, wasn't it, John? It was, and it was a bit of a surprise, really, because the shot didn't have that much power in it, but it must have sort of spooked him at the last moment, and it did go for the line. No thanks to VAR, that that wonderful, wonderful new system that's coming in on Saturday that will make the, the Celtic Hearts game at the weekend a, a great laugh. But no, I mean, Marshall was a good goalie for us, no for very long, but he was brilliant, of course, at Barcelona game. But he's really more of a hero for what he done for Scotland. It's not one of the best goals James Forrest has ever scored in the hundred he scored, but we'll take that every time. And hopefully Marshall, when he get, plays against Rangers, whenever that is this season, can turn in a good save to make up for that. You know it makes sense, David. You know it today. Yeah, now we'll talk about James Forrest, John. 100 goals for Celtic. Some achievement, and his first was against Murrow, I think, in a 4-0 win in 2010 when Lennon was the caretaker manager. Got his 100th with an excellent strike against Hibs there to make it 4-1 after they pulled the goal back. Took a wee deflection, John, but there's a lot of James Forrest goals that are like that, isn't it? They've taken a sclaff, they've taken deflection, they've taken a knock off Sunday, but they go in. He's always in the right position, and they get enough power on the shot to probably beat Marshall anyway, if I'm honest, but... Shout out to him. And also, a question for you, out of all his goals, what's the most memorable one? Or what one do you think is like the most iconic to you? can be for any reason. Well, actually, I've got two, I suppose. I'd, I'd say that goal he scored in the Champions League against a team whose name completely escapes me to get his uh, qualifier for the Champions League group stages when he scored in the last minute. Who was it against against, Stevie? Bill Mute here. It was Shaktar Karagandi. Shaktar Karagandi, thank you, bro. That's right. I think that must be really the most iconic one because they gave us a, a, a hell of a hard game. And like we were drawn to each and he got that winning goal. And Andrew Time to get his there. Then after the game, Lenny made it all about his sale as usual. I think that one, and there's one that I think a lot of people won't remember. And it was only, I think, his third second season was it was against Hearts. We beat them 4 nothing. It was a season that actually Hearts weren't doing that bad. I think they were only like three points behind us going into the game. And he took it, the ball in the edge of the box and he just hammered it into the top corner. I mean, I know people will talk about that Aberdeen goal in the semi-final or one of his other goals in cup finals. Or even the one against Rangers at Parkhead, that solo goal. But I thought it was a great goal and it was a great technique by a guy that was like, I think he was only about 19 or 20 then. And that's when it always sticks out for me because when he scored that, I thought he's going to end up being a great player for us. 
And he has been really... I think the injuries he's suffered in the last few seasons have sort of culled people's judgment in Forrest. And I have to say, even we were a bit surprised when he got that long-term contract after he won the league like, to 2025. 20, I think we were thinking, that's odd. But when you think about it, he's scored 100 goals. Only 30 players have ever done that for Celtic. He's won, I think, 10 league titles or something like that. And no fair play to him. He scored four goals already this season. If he can stay fit and keep up that level of performance, he'll get double figures, no problem. So I'll ask you as well, what's your most memorable or iconic Forest goal? This is a bit of a strange one, John. wasn't like a, a big or a season-defining goal or anything, but it's just one that always sticks out to me for the way that he took it. It was at Tynecastle, Brendan Rodgers' first league game of the season, where we went only one to one But it was... Well, actually, no, there was a bit of greed involved as well because I actually had him down as first goal scorer and that's why I can remember it so well. But he made it 1-0. He had the ball on his right foot and he cut inside and beat two players and then hit it on his left, curled it past the goalie to make it 1-0. But I do remember having Celtic to win that game in Forest as first goal scorer. So he did get my coot up and that is a very rare occurrence, John, I've got to say, in all my years on this planet that a Celtic player... Um, contributes to me getting a bit of a windfall in. So thank you, James Forrest, and well done on your 100 goals. What a guy. I'm sure you'll agree with me there, John, that the 100 goals is obviously a big deal, but the fact that he won me money is the biggest achievement there. Of course it is. And do you want to hear an odd James Forrest and Hearts-related coincidence? Always. (laughs) Well, that was the first goal of the Brendan Rodgers uh, era in the league. And see when our hero Lenny came back as manager for the second time, as caretaker manager. What was the first goal that was scored? It was against Hearts at Tynecastle. Who scored it? James Forrest. What was the score? 2-1. That one where I think Hearts got a corner and we ended up with like a 3-1 breakaway. And Oliver Brainless Buck, I think, passed it to him. One of the few smart things he did when he was a Celtic player. And Forrest tapped it home. So there you go, that was two Celtic managers, first league games in charge, both against Hearts at Tynecastle, both won 2-1, and the first goal was scored both times by James Forrest. So there you go, there's a there's an incredible coincidence for you fact fans. Shout out to Dyson Maeda, John, he got his goal, he's been lamented, I wouldn't say unfairly on here in the past few weeks because his performances have been dire, but we have said he just needs a break, he needs something to go his way, a goal, an assist, anything, and John, he got his goal, and it was a... Nice wee finish as well. Shout out to him because I don't think we were exactly over the moon when he came on at halftime. He replaced uh, Haksabanovic, but he did get a goal and I hope that gets some confidence. Shout out as well to Gigi, who we haven't mentioned yet, who scored twice in the game. I thought he was excellent, although he might have injured himself and stayed on and managed to score as well. And then went off as soon as he scored. So, I mean, I hope that doesn't come back to bite him and he's out for a while. I hope he's all right for Wednesday night. But no, I mean, that was a very good performance and I think Celtic needed that. I think if we ended up like just scraping a win like late on again, okay, it would have been good, but it would have, I think, just gave people more concerns. And I mean, there's still concerns just because of the way the title race has gone now, but we really should be further ahead than we are, but that's our own fault. But no, I mean, everybody done well and I'm just hoping that with some hard games we've got to play before the World Cup that the players will get a ton of confidence in that and can kick on and start showing what Celtic are all about rather than the last few weeks where we're just scraping wins and playing poorly and missing sitters. We didn't really even miss that many sitters on Saturday. It's a miracle. Sensational stuff, right, John? This is a bit where we have to talk about that referee. 
Stephen McLean. Now, if I look at the stats here and look at the fact that we had just shy of 60% possession, we had all the ball, 17 fouls were given against us. It just reminded me of that time. You know the game I'm going to bring up, don't you? That wonderful guy, Robert Bobby Madden. Um, Pitodry. It was like similar. I think we had like 60% possession against Aberdeen. He gave us like 27 fouls against. And all game, John, me and you were saying the referee was an absolute balloon. And he was. I don't understand what was going through McLean's head. And do you know what as well? I was seeing fans of the other teams saying, oh, you won 6-1. How can you moan about the ref? But, John, that's the exact right time to be moaning about the ref because we've just scudded a team. We've got three points. We've put on a great display. But you have to highlight how bad the referee was. I mean, that decision at the end with Burnaby was just absolutely mental. Like, we were both screaming after that game because of that. I mean, it didn't define the game or anything, and it didn't put us in moods or that. But the standard of that referee on Saturday was absolutely abysmal. And it's like a lot of teams in Scottish football out with Celtic will probably see that as us moaning and whatever. But I think we're just trying to uphold the high standards of refereeing in the country because see if we don't call it out who's going to they're just going to be getting away with it time and time again and I think Celtic fans were absolutely right to be enraged because it was a terrible performance from him no it was absolutely rubbish it was terrible and I don't want to sound like Stephen Gerrard and moan about referees but it was hopeless and I mean that booking that O'Reilly got the only reason he got the book was because Porto complained, and a, and a Hibs player done a similar foul a wee while later and didn't get booked. And that one at the end was just laughable. I mean, the two Hibs players run into each other, and he still gave the foul. I mean, I know that I think Kyogo missed the chance in the end, but I see if that went in and hadn't been... Oh, it would have been ridiculous if that had been chopped off. It was so, so bad. And I, as I say, I don't like moaning about referees. It really is more of a Rangers thing. I know they always say, oh, you're so paranoid. But they're going about referees far more than us. But we should have like a 800 point, whatever it is, a dossier like they submitted. We should do it. We are a different, terrible referees we've had this season. Like Don Robertson was pretty dreadful. McLean was terrible. They're all terrible, and God knows what's going to happen now that they've got VAR as well. The games are getting stopped for like half an hour at a time to sort out other terrible decisions. So that's going to make Saturday very, very interesting. But no, I thought Stephen McLean was absolutely terrible. You mentioned the great Donald Robertson, who is going to be the referee at Fur Park on Wednesday, John, when the kickoff time is a, a bizarre quarter past six in the League Cup against Murrible. Very quickly, John, we don't need to analyse this too much. I reckon Celtic are going to wipe the floor with Motherwell. Watched a bit of them yesterday against Rangers. Garbage. Rangers were appalling, and yet still made light work in Motherwell. I think Celtic are going to win that by three goals to nil. Uh, it doesn't matter what team we put out. I think it'll be a very easy win and I look forward to seeing us in the next round after that. What is your shoot prediction? I think it'll be no quite as comfortable, but I think we'll win fairly easily in the end. I'm going for 3-1 and I think the draw is made on... Uh, the draw must be made after the Rangers game that's after us, thanks to some... Bizarre Premier Sports TV scheduling where we're playing at quarter past six and they're playing at quarter past eight. I, I don't know what I saw, but but no, I think we'll win three one and we'll take a place in the semi final draw. And the semi finals are only getting played until March, I don't think, or February because of the World Cup. So this tournament's going to be dragging on and on and on. Great stuff for Scottish football as ever. Right, that is us. Uh, it was a return to form from Celtic at the weekend, and it's been a return to form 
from Gigpod as well. No moaning, no negativity, no doom and gloom. Just under half an hour of myself and John having a laugh and slagging Lee Johnson. And in fact, we've not even got round to doing that, John, have we? So let's do that for the next 30 seconds to a minute. Lee Johnson's jacket. Rate it, please. Oh, zero out of ten. It was absolutely horrendous. I don't know what I was thinking. It was like some sort of weird tribute to John Watson. A sheepskin that John Watson would wear in like the 1970s. It was terrible. Either that or he thought he was going to be in a remake of A Long Good Friday or something. No. Nil poix, as they say in a Eurovision Song Contest for Lee Johnson's jacket there. Right, okay. It's a bad day when you are critiquing someone's fashion. Yeah, it was an absolute disgrace. Just like his team on Saturday. And that is it. We will be back for episode 137, reviewing the Hearts game at the weekend. Don't know who it's going to be. Might be Spunkphone and Rizzo, actually, because I might be getting up a hill and I might be busy doing stuff. John, will you be able to handle that without me to uh, overlord it? And with that and your answer, take it away as well. Thank you, Stevie. I will try and handle it in your absence. Yes. And uh, that sounded odd. <laughs> no, I will try and handle the podcast, of course, in your absence, if it is me and the returning Spunkphone reviewing the Hearts game, which will no doubt be a great laugh. So thanks to Stevie. As ever, you can follow him and the pod on Instagram and on Twitter, both at GigPod. You can find us on all the usual podcast platforms. You know where by now we've been doing this long enough. Leave us five stars and give us good reviews, telling us how great we are and how funny we are. And we had some great jokes tonight, which I'm sure you'll appreciate it. Well, Lee Johnson maybe didn't, but that's where he gets away on that jacket. So we'll be back after the Hearts game. The return of mean spunk phone, and it's always fun when it's me and us. So, me and him. So... Speak to you all then. Thanks everybody for listening and hail hail. Podcast Network.